Welcome to uh, the Chariot Automotive Group in Twin City and Lafayette, uh, our Monday night memory celebrating. Nate was texting me today, 49 years together. Some of you guys probably ran across uh, uh, Twin City Auto back in the day when you were in West Lafayette, uh, but we appreciate their sponsorship. And uh, Coach Katie, by the way, as we just started, I think Kathleen just jumped on. So we're going to start the conversation and let them and let uh, the coach come in as well. So if I, I don't mean to interrupt anybody, but if there's, if he comes on, I may jump to him as well for a quick comment. Glenn Robinson, I'm looking right at you. So I'll ask you first, when you first heard that uh, the coach had made the hall of fame, the Naismith hall of fame, uh, what came across your mind? Well, I thought he should have been um, in there um, a long time ago, but uh, I was very excited. Um, that was great news um, that that actually made my day to um, just to be a part of um, something special like that, because um, he, he means everything to me and, and he did a lot for me um, to uh, make me the person who I am today. Yeah, and I, I think that's got to be a probably be a pretty common refrain. I'm, I am going to go around the horn. So we kind of introduce everybody. Obviously, Glenn Robinson needs no introduction, a, a national player of the year in 1994. You didn't know that you'd have another one this year in Zach Eady. That was a pretty cool thing to have that have that replaced. But Brian Cardinal, I'm not seeing your audio, so you might want to make sure you flick that on because I'm hearing there you go. Though you can keep it on, Brian. I'm going to come to you because what one of the relationships, Coach Katie had a had a strong relationship with a lot of guys, and each one of you is a, a very personal one. But certainly that relationship that the two of you put together, I think that. Uh, uh, like any good relationship, it had its, its high points. Didn't have that many low points, but you probably put it. He didn't have much gray hair at that time, but you might have put a little on it. But Brian, <laughs> what was your reaction at that time in terms of in terms of that uh, uh, hearing that uh, he had made the Hall of Fame, and 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 what did what was your initial reaction? Yeah, you know, similar to to Glenn, um, it was about time. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm thrilled, like everybody, uh, every every former player, every uh, fan, um, you know, we're all thrilled, excited, uh, and 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 grateful that that uh, that he's going in, and um, it's it's obviously well deserved, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be a great great experience for him, great experience for for all of us uh, following and and and. And just watching and, and you know being a part of it from a distance. Yeah, no question. Um, yeah, and, and I think at that uh, your your closeness and uh, over the years, it, it, I think everybody on this call could almost talk about the the father figure part of that. I want to ask Bruce Weber on the on the uh, colleague perspective. I mean, obviously he's got that a lot of those same qualities for you, having worked together even when you were. In a, just getting into coaching, but uh, now that you've had a, a week or so, or a couple of weeks to kind of digest what this means uh, from that hall of fame perspective, I mean, it's a credit to you and all the work that you did, obviously your 18 years at Purdue and, and years at Western Kentucky. But uh, how did you, uh, how did you put this into your, your thought process when he got into the hall of fame? You know, obviously I was thrilled for him. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had, I had lobbied Matt Painter, Elliot Bloom. I know you did Al and, a lot of the players, um, you know, and you just, it, it didn't make sense to me. And I, you know, they always talk about 800 wins. They always talk about, 
uh, going to the Final Four, and it was always my one regret. Uh, Glenn, if you wouldn't have wrestled with somebody, maybe we would have got to the Final Four. And, uh, well, and, that, that, um, that was the truth. Oh, that was. I don't, know, I don't know where that came from. That is such an urban legend. I, I, yeah. I heard that myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that makes me feel good because it, it was like okay. 25 years later, I find out that you, that was why. So, yeah. but uh, no, but you know, it was the one thing that, you know, I, I was very fortunate, got to go to the Final Four and coach didn't get to go. And that was always one thing. That was the first thing I thought of when, when we won at Illinois and got to go and, that he didn't get to go and I was so fortunate, but I'm just thrilled he got in it. It's all because of you guys, all the guys on the screen. No, no, uh, no, no, just, no. just amazing, you know, the, the group here, uh, all the players through the years, obviously coaches meant the world to me, he gave me a chance. I learned so much about, uh, you know, not only basketball, but about life. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really cool. And for me, it's the, the big scope of it. I was so happy because he did everything. He did high school basketball, Boyd, Kansas. He did Hutchinson Junior College. He did the assistant at Arkansas and went to, did go to the Final Four with Eddie Sutton. Obviously, his long tenure at Purdue. And then, and then USA Basketball. You don't know how many summers he volunteered and won gold medals and assistant gold medal with the Olympics and, and even messed with the uh, NBA. So, um, you know, for a little bit. So he did it all and, and just, just really thrilled. And I hope, you know, I know you guys are happy. That's why you're on here for him. And, and just, uh, you know, again, thank you guys for all that you did for Purdue basketball and for coach. Stephen Scheffler, I'm going to go back, go to you because you and Brian Cardinal, I think, are interesting. Just guys that uh, grinded their way to greatness uh, in different, in different ways and, and, and yet brought, some of the best arguments or discussions I ever heard on a bus with Stephen Sheffler talking politics. Uh, and probably, Brian, I don't know if Brian was more, more talking philosophy. I wasn't on many buses at that point in time. But Steve, what you put this into perspective from your, you know, obviously uh, making yourself an all Big Ten and a Big Ten player of the year and all the work that went into that, uh, playing uh, with Troy Todd and Everett in 87, 88, and, and having a chance to nearly went a big 10 your senior year, but to talk about that and, and, and that relationship and with, with coach Katie over the years. Well, coach for as intense as he was, he was very patient because I was told later that I was the worst recruiting mistake in Purdue basketball history. <laughs> and uh, I remember when they suggested you could go out for spring football if you wanted to. So I was like, yeah, I remember, that. I, I remember my freshman year, the best way to get on the court because nobody wanted me was like, I'm going to just set picks for Troy Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll at least take me as the fifth guy because he'll like to get open shots. And then Everett, if he's got a guard, Troy will take me so he doesn't have to fight through the pick. So, but that was the thing with coach is he could do the most with the least. I mean, there's some guys on this call that are very talented. I was not one of those. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to play for coach because it's like, he, d he took Jim Rowinski, a walk-on, and turned him into all Big Ten. And I'm like, well, if he can do that, there's hope for anybody. And uh, that's what, I when I think about Coach, that's the crazy thing is how he is able to take, you know, just blah players and, and really mold a very good team together. And the other interesting thing was I talked to Gary Payton 
Yeah. And I have this stereotype of Coach being this hard-nosed guy. <laughs> and Gary was like, oh, no, Coach was really cool in the NBA. He was, And I was like, are we talking about the same Coach Gary? So, yeah, I think he I, had multi-dimensions, but very good coach to play with. I'm really glad I had that opportunity. Yeah, I, I know that feeling is mutual on his end. Everett Stevens and Troy Lewis, I can't put you guys together. And of course, Mitchell's not here. So you can you can say whatever you want to say about but Todd. But no, the fact we didn't got enough time, Alan. What? <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you know you were the first big and Bruce can relate to this because he was involved with it at the at the at the gra grassroots, the first big recruiting coup. Uh, I know Steve Reed was as big, as, you know, <laughs> before the transfer portal, and Steve Reed was as big as it got. But after Steve Reed, it was it was uh, Troy Todd and Everett. Talk about that. I, there's so many fun recruiting stories, and like Glenn was talking about, I don't know if any of them are really true. Like I, the one that supposedly uh, Coach Katie locked you in the car, Everett, and said you're not going anywhere else but Purdue. And I don't know if that's true or not. And Troy. Uh, the fact that uh, you were a were, were a basically McDonald's All American at that time, but talk about just that first the first time you met him and what he was like, and then how that relationship has stayed the way it's been all these years. And I'll start, That's, Everett. You go first. You know, for me, uh, when Coach, you know, came in and recruited me, you know, Coach Weber was the one who came in and uh, and started the process, but. Coach seemed like he was very, very focused and determined on having me join up with uh, with Todd and Troy. And he thought that we'd be a really good group, you know, once we uh, got in our years. And um, I was still kind of like, uh, wasn't sure of making that decision. And I just remember being on that um, ride with him and Coach, <laughs> Coach Weber in the car as well. And he just he came at you so hard and so straightforward and blunt. And uh, he wanted me to make that decision right then and there. And I wasn't ready to make that decision, but I was leaning towards it. And um, I just remember leaving and uh, leaving the car and, and still having a question mark. And Coach Weber told me later on that um, Coach Katie said, do, do you think I was a little bit too hard on him? <laughs> and he was like, uh, yeah, because he wanted me to, he wanted me to commit right then and there. Um, I was, I, I, I was going to go because my dad thought it was the best decision. And um, even up to this day, it, it ended up being one of the best decisions I made as far as with college. Yeah. I, I still want to ask you about the happy go, do, go lucky dolphin comment, but I'll ask you that later. Troy, uh, Troy, <laughs> your, your comments and then we can come back to Everett on that. Cause I, I always <laughs> love that term. That was my favorite Gene, Gene Katie term was a happy go. Everett Stevens was a happy go lucky dolphin. Like what the hell? Was that? <laughs> uh, that was it. So, hey, Troy, go ahead. Well, you know, growing up in Indiana, obviously I watched a lot of Purdue basketball. So, uh, watched Steve play, and uh, you know, Joe Barry Carroll was one of my favorite players growing up. So I got to see Coach Katie back in you know the early '80s, and I saw how intense he was. I thought he was crazy. Uh, <laughs> But uh, really, my my story, you know, I got to, you know, Coach Weber was an integral part of recruiting me. And I actually took my visit to Kansas. I took a visit to Kansas, and I actually committed to Kansas. And so I get back from my trip, and and my mom was like, oh, 
you you acting different because usually after my trips I'm tired. You know, after recruiting trips, you're really tired. You really want to not do anything and too much partying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so I get in my bedroom and and next thing you know, my mom yelled yells at me, said, Hey, you know, it's a telephone call. Coach Weber may not remember this, but it was Coach Weber. Coach Weber asked me, hey, how'd your trip go at Kansas? I said, oh, I really like it. I didn't tell him I committed. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, I really like it at Kansas. Kind of remind me of the wigwam and, you know, uh, Fall Gallon was that old school type of, yeah. you know, environment. So I was like, oh, I really like it there. And so Coach Weber and I hung up and then Coach Katie called. <laughs> He said, no one loves you more than we do. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be here. We want you here. That's no right. We treat you better than us. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, coach. <laughs> I didn't know he was a closer like that. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, oh, he was straightforward. And, and after I got off the phone with him, I looked at my mom. I was like, <laughs> my mom was actually on the other end of the phone. I was like. Did I go there? <laughs> <laughs> and she, and actually she, uh, her, uh, and my dad talked me kind of out of, uh, going to Kansas and, uh, told me, Hey, you should play for coach Katie. And, and, uh, so it was like, like ever, it was the best decision of my life. And, and like whatever talked about, uh, coach where he, he, I know he recruited so many people. So you might not remember these little stories, but when Todd and I committed yeah. Coach Weber said, we got to get Everett. We got to get Everett. So, so yeah, so that was, uh, you know, that's what really started it for me. And, and it's funny because that's the same thing he said to me as well. I, I remember <laughs> him saying, no one's going to treat you better than Purdue and our staff. And I mean, he was just so determined. You're going to get a great education. You're close to home. I mean, he was just throwing everything at me, you know, just, just forcefully, you know, and I just like, <laughs> man, this dude really, this dude really wants me to come back <laughs> And he did. That's the fact. And I did. Yeah. My dad he thought, he thought it was the best decision. And it was, it was, at least for Purdue fans, certainly. Steve, Steve Reading. Hey, hey Alan. Alan. Yes, go ahead. Hey, Kathleen's on her iPhone, but I think she needs some guidance on how to get like the camera on and the audio on. If you can help her. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask her to unmute here. So I'll I'll work on that. But I want to ask you, Greg, right. while I work on that a little bit is. I'll start with you and then go to Steve. Obviously, the first four years, first two years, and um, when of course the year that Steve, this year that Steve was had left the transfer portal and he was ineligible and waiting to come from Kansas State. You know, it was it was challenging, especially in year two. That was my senior year as a manager. It might have been one of the more challenging teams that Coach Katie had. But you guys stuck together, uh, and in '83, uh, obviously did did some really good things and won so many games in the last second 84 you guys win the big 10 championship uh when people picked you ninth or 10th ninth or 10th in the big 10 talk about that perspective and, and you and greg have had such a long-term relationship again with gene katie over the years he's had so much respect for who the person that you are but what that's meant to you over the years it's it's been amazing um it was amazing four years when we were there and like I, to start off, I mean, Ricky Hall and Russell Cross and myself were like his first class yeah. coming in. And John and, Lawson. Uh, yeah. yeah, John <laughs> Lawson. Western Kentucky. And uh, 
And it's so funny because coach always tells the story. He says, if you guys didn't win your senior year, I would have been fired. He said, so <laughs> I, I owe you guys my career because I would have been out of there. But, you know, I think all the guys on here had the same sentiments that, you know, he was tough in practice, but the minute you walked off the court, he was your best friend. And, you know, he had an open door policy. You could always go in and talk to him and, you know, even through life now, I mean, he's always made himself available to us and been available to any of his players, former players. And, you know, I, I probably still talk to him once or twice a month, you know, just either he calling me or I call him, but, you know, he's, he's just been an amazing man and amazing part of my life. Yeah. And he, and, and uh, you've been a big part of his for sure. Steve, Steve, your dad, and I've, I've said this before when you and I have talked Hey, I had a very close relationship with your dad, uh, Duncan, but also, and I think maybe they were cut out of the same cloth a little bit. I don't know. Uh, but you also just, you know, you brought such a life to the backcourt and and came in and gave Purdue exactly what what uh, it needed at the time. And along with Ricky Hall and all that, but a little bit of a, a, a an attitude that was a good thing. But talk about uh, the, those talking points or those learning things that stick with you from those first uh, couple of years of playing for coach. And then I'll also, and then we'll have to ask you about how come you only hit three out of six free throws when Bob Knight threw the chair. We'll ask you that too. But, <laughs> But uh, talk about that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, you know, first of all, uh, you know, I want to congratulate Coach, long overdue, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was glad he got, because when they said that he was being nominated for the Hall of Fame, I misread it, and I texted him, and I said, congratulations for your induction. And he said, did I get in? And I said, yeah. oops, I uh, I jumped the gun a little bit. So, uh, fortunately, uh, that, that happened. But, yeah, you know, Coach, recruiting stories, uh, all – he's the only coach I had. He was at Western Kentucky and recruited me to go to Western Kentucky. And I ended up going to Kansas state. And of course that's his alma mater. Yeah. And he, he's the only coach that called me up, thanked me for the opportunity to have been able to recruit a family, all those kind of things. Wish me luck. Uh, then when I call a year later and tell him, you know, I want to transfer to Purdue, he said, well, let me think about it. And so he, for two days, I didn't know if I was going to be able to transfer or not. And he calls me up a couple of days later and, and, uh, and, and, it was, and had me on board. So, yeah, as, you know, he's just one of those guys. There's, there's things you do every day in life, whether it's in business, whether it's dealing with your family, with your friends. There's principles that, that he instilled in you that, uh, you know, if you look at his career, those were consistent throughout his career, uh, whether you were his first recruiting class or his last recruiting class. There were some things, get, get to class, be on time, be respectful, you know, represent your, the university, yourself. All those things stayed consistent. What he did was he was able to, to adapt with change over time, right? The, I remember when I was there, we had two freshmen that decided getting their hair shaved would be a good idea, and they went bald <laughs> before bald was cool. And yeah. he came in and absolutely blew up and said, if anybody pulls another stunt like that, you know, you're going to be sent home on a bus. And then, you know, later on, you got tattoos and you got all the other stuff. And he was, you know, he, so he adapted with the time. But uh, I got to tell a good story on Troy and Everett and, and died did not here. So I'm a senior. These guys come as <clears> freshmen. Coach Katie brings me, Bullock, and Mark Atkinson into the office and said, you guys are the seniors. we got three kids in here that are really talented and I think are going to do a lot of good things with the program. So I apologize to you, but we're going to have preseason conditioning is going to be extra tough this year because those three need to learn how to work. 
And about the first week, we're getting done with, with training, with our preseason training, and, and we'd run around campus. I don't know, it was a four-mile run or so. And Troy is sitting in his locker. I think he may have already gotten sick in the bathroom, but he's sitting in his locker <laughs> shaking his head going, I should have gone to Kansas. I don't know why I'm here. I should have <laughs> gone so to Kansas. True. So, uh, And I know why he was able to recruit you and Everett Bo, Troy. You looked at this and said, there's no re- way I can't play in front of that guy. I mean, I, you know, I got this little guy playing. I can, I can get minutes from him pretty easily. So. No, nah, you were a Big Ten champ. And Everett, and Everett, you never blocked my shot, and it's one of my proudest accomplishments what? in all of practice. You never blocked my shot one time. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll let you stick with that. Yeah, <laughs> All right, Conzo, I'm getting to you. And then, and obviously, Brandon McKnight, because Brandon played at the end. And I, I know he got – Brandon, you're going to have to be a- answering the question of how soft he got in his late in his years, which probably wasn't true. But Conzo, and nobody's – he's and, and now I see the coach there. He's uh, Everybody see him on the screen? Coach? But I don't think he's got his audio on, but you can wave to him. But uh, he's smiling. I, I don't know if and, – and hey, coach. No matter what happens, hey, we'll, coach. we'll get this video to you. But Conzo, nobody's uh, – he was obviously no individual. He, he was more prouder than you in, in terms of not only what you were as a player, what you went through, but also your what you did professionally. But uh, talk about that road from East St. Louis to, to West Lafayette. Did he, he didn't lock you in his car. I don't remember what the recruiting story was on you, but maybe Glenn had something to do with it. I don't know. But what uh, how did you get to West Lafayette? Right. Well, the, the story was um... – uh, as people know, it, it was probably a lock to go to Illinois just because of you know, yeah. East St. Louis, the Fonzo Ellis, he was supposed to go to Illinois. So the transition would have been a smooth one. And then when they got in that trouble with the Deion Thomas, that situation, I opened my recruitment up and, and it pretty much came down to Purdue and Connecticut. And I went to visit uh, Connecticut with Jim Calhoun and obviously Coach Kate. And, and the reason being, uh, my, my, my circle, and I say circle team of people, which is small, my mom, my, my best friend's dad, uh, they felt like I needed a, a father figure, a man, and, and somebody that can hold me accountable. Not that I kicked up a lot of dust in high school, but I think the transition from East St. Louis and the things that I needed to be successful in life, it came down to coaching Coach Calhoun. And uh, the night before I made my visit, I mean, my decision, I don't, I don't remember every word my mom said, but I do remember vividly she said, uh, Gene Cady seems like a nice man. And that was my mom's way of saying that's the place for you to go. And I was in tears the night before. Just I just wasn't sure because Illinois was talked about for so much as a kid coming up. And I made the decision to go to Purdue. And, uh, you know, between Coach Weber, Coach Katie, and, and Frank Kennedy, those guys were diligent in their pursuit of trying to get me to come to Purdue because my high school coach, and I love him, and, and I say this all in a positive way, he wasn't the toughest one to get to. So you, in order to get to me at the high school, almost like you had to knock doors down, you had to find me at the Wendy's hanging out with my buddies. But my high school coach, he didn't meet with a lot of people, so it worked out. And it was really in sport the best decision I ever made because uh, Coach uh, was a tremendous leader and teacher. And, of course, he did the accolades for being a coach. But for me, he, he taught me how to raise my level uh, and to commit to being successful uh, and the understanding of what it takes to be successful, how hard you have to play and the sacrifice to be great. And it was every day. And then the, he understood the ability of critiquing and criticism. Coach never broke spirits, in my opinion. I thought he was a, a phenomenal guy in the way he approached it because he was a teacher by trade. So he didn't. So when people say old school for me, I'm not sure what that means because it, it can't mean age because coach adjusted to the times. And, and coach, old school guys, everybody thought that you son of a bitch, did, 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 and just beat you down. Coach, did, 
coach had never beat me down. I never felt that. I never felt that around our guys. I thought he did a tremendous mm-hmm. job of communicating to us. And I yeah. thought what he did best was he taught us how to have enough courage to raise our expectations. You got to believe in more than where you currently sit. You got to believe more. And that's why we won so many Big Ten championships. And, I, and, I, and Coach was a phenomenal coach, but we had good players. I, I think a lot of times Purdue didn't get the credit outside of Glenn Robson, certain guys, Troy, those guys, like those are the guys. We had a lot of good players. We just, I think Coach staff didn't get the credit for beating the bushes, finding the diamonds in the rough, and doing their homework to figure out what was best for Coach Katie. Everybody else had these stars, but those guys didn't work at a level. They didn't have the chemistry, the camaraderie, the commitment as a team to be successful. Coach Stav did a phenomenal job of picking the right guys to, to create a great program. And obviously, we had phenomenal runs and just it was just successful to be a part of it. And the other thing I, I think Coach did was, was great. And, and it showed me, not that I ever doubted him, but it showed me the type of man he was. When he had Glenn and I, we were roommates. And, and Glenn, I, I love him, being like a brother to me. But he had us as roommates, and we wanted to move off campus after our, uh, after our freshman year. And Coach didn't allow us to move off campus. He, he, he had us stay on campus another year. Neither one of us talked about, man, we need to transfer. Why Coach treating us like this? It was just, we got mad at Coach, and we just took it out on each other in practice, took it out on guys in practice, we made ourselves mm-hmm. better players, but we weren't happy about it. But <laughs> as you get older, you respect the fact that the man had enough intimacy to say, no, 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 this is what you're going to do. And we never had family members calling coach. Why they got to stay in the apartment for another year? We had other guys that were sophomores that, that moved off campus. So it was it was a lot of respect that did. And I'll go a step further. I know I'm, I'm winded here, but but his staff was phenomenal. Like, like for example, Coach Weber, you'd be down there hooping on the court. Coach, coach Weber, yeah, down there. So did you did you take out of, uh, that chemistry exam? Did you fill out your financial So it was a team that made it go. And I think that's what made yeah. it successful. Yes. <laughs> well said. Well said, Brandon. I know it didn't get easier. At the, his, you were there the last last four years and uh, had had some success against the NCAA tournament. Uh, in the last two years were challenging, but what was that like? You know, even in, in uh, again that that uh, that type of relationship you had with him, but also in that uh, very magical time that was difficult in some ways. The saying goodbye to the coach in two thousand five, but a mem- very memorable. Uh, game against Minnesota, uh, but uh, how, have, how have your experience played out over the years since you've been in West Lafayette? Well, I mean, similar to like what everybody said on this call, Coach Kenny was a father figure to me. Um, I knew I, w- I was going to produce before they even uh, recruited growing up watching Big Bog, Conzo, and BC. It was it was a done deal, and I remember when Conzo Martin came to to my house in my, um, in my basement with my mom, and they offered me um, I was very excited, and once I met Coach Katie, uh, I was just, you know, I was thinking he was going to tell me how great I am and how many points I scored. That's the reason why he offered me. And then he said, uh, you know why I offered you, babe? I said, no, Coach, I'm just waiting for him to tell me, you know, I'm just fast as light. <laughs> <laughs> like, because you stopped at the free throw line. I'm like, not a free throw line. That's why you offered me. So it was just those little things, the detail that made <laughs> who I am today, right? Like in the profession that I am now, I pay attention to detail. I'm always, I love to compete. And in those last two years, they were rough, right? Yeah. But never did he say fold, right? Never did he say give up. Never did he stop, you know, pressing hard. So, I mean, kudos to him. Well-deserved. And um, I'm just just blessed even to be able to play. 
Yeah, well, and uh, and playing hard was a common thread for everybody on this call, and and that uh, was it was certainly something that he instilled. Nate Barrett, your grandfather had a close relationship to to him, and and even as a young man, you had the opportunity to be around him and and see him uh, growing up, and 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 obviously have stayed in touch with Coach Katie over the years. But uh, this this Hall of Fame is a big deal for would be a big deal for your grandpa as well. He'd absolutely love it. And it's cool, Adam, to see all my childhood and teenage heroes assembled. What a thrill. Uh, I think first guys of of coach with his Chrysler New Yorker. Yeah. And, and <laughs> later moved on to these LHSs. And as I started to get learning the car business, you know, my first job, my grandfather, very much like Coach Katie would say, my grandfather said, You've got to learn from the bottom up. So I would be doing things like maybe helping clean coach Katie's demo when he turned it back in and get that cigar smoke out of it (laughs) with, with things like that. But uh, you know, my earliest memories of him or he'd sign a basketball and it would always say something like keep working hard. And that was always the inscription. And then I have to say now at age 43 and watching all you guys and, you know, you're the bedrock of Purdue basketball, but when I see him come in a room at a golf outing, it's still the same thrill as when I met him for the first time. Yeah, well said. I think the funniest thing to say to him, and he he laughs, is you, Gene, you are a rock star. You are an absolute, you come into Mac Arena and you got everybody, everybody's looking for you and you put him on the, <laughs> on the video thing. And he, I don't know, if, I don't know if, if he knows how to, I don't know if any of us would know how to deal with that, but he is absolutely uh, an 86, almost 87-year-old rock star for sure. Glenn Robinson, I'll come back to you just in terms of you come in at, 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 with a, all the accolades and known as a hard worker, but how did he, how did he push you? I mean, from that standpoint, what, what buttons did he, did he push uh, or, or Bruce or Frank or guys in the coaching staff that uh, helped do that? But what kind of things did he do to make you better, you think? Well, the, the biggest thing, I, 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 didn't, I didn't want him to get on my case too hard. So that was a, that was a good enough incentive to just go out there and, and, and play as, as hard as I can and, and just, just do the best that I can. Um, one thing about coaches, um, even though I was a scorer, um, it's, it, it wasn't really about scoring. It was about going out there and, and just trying to do the best that you can and, and try to, trying to play as hard as you can. And hey, I didn't. I didn't want him. I mean, coach can he can he can light some fire up under you. <laughs> yes, um, <she> can. <laughs> and that was the thing that I was always afraid of is to not to get the fire um, um, lit up under me. So I mean, it was just always a great. It was just an honor to um, to to play for um, for coach. And um, going back to um, what Conzo said, just the 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 whole staff. They just push you to um, be the best that you can be. And Bruce used to um, get on me about doing other things, uh, rebounding, playing defense, um, shooting a better percentage out there, things like that. So, I mean, just uh, overall, the whole um, coaching staff, they they all had um, something to um, to help um, push you guys. And once again, I, I just wanted to stay out of trouble. I, I didn't want to get on the bad side, so... That was a good enough um, incentive for me to go out and just try to play hard, play as hard as I can. Yeah, I think that I think you did that in in, in every every t- chance you had. 
All right. I want to think it's interesting with Brian Cardinal. And, and I think that I think it's a, a common theme and it's not to get all mushy, but it's a term. It might be tough love, but it's also love here. And I think, Brian, I never I'll never forget uh, uh, in a disappointing moment at the end of the game against Wisconsin in your last game. And, and it was a picture on the cover of our magazine and you in the locker room. But that that moment of uh yes it was disappointment that you didn't get to the final four i understand it but the, the fact that you openly showed that even though you might have driven him crazy from time to time uh you openly love this guy but talk about that i mean i think it's a very unique situation and something that still i think happens today but it doesn't happen a lot but it happened when when, when i think with everybody in this room there was that that measure of that uh True admiration, love, whatever term you want to use. But Brian, put that into perspective. Well, I, I think uh, you know it was it was an honor to to follow in the footsteps of a lot of people on here, and to be able to put on that Purdue uniform, um, to be able to have Coach Katie and Coach Weber coming to my house, and and I still remember Coach Katie sitting down on the couch, and and you know I I, I was a big Illinois guy. My dad was at Illinois for thirty something years you know, finished 40 something years at Illinois. And I still remember coach Katie sitting down and, and saying, what the hell's going on with Illinois? And you, talk, <laughs> you talk about just, you know, yeah, he, he was just very passionate and that's, and that's what coach Katie was and, and is, um, and, and I was just proud to put on a Purdue uniform. I was proud to represent the university. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about, you know, you talk about final fours, you talk about getting to a final four. And, and as a player, that's what you want to do is to get to a final four. And for me, yeah, I didn't want to get to a final four for me. I wanted to get to a final four for coach Katie. And, and that's what was the most crushing part about that game. Was, it wasn't for me. I, you know, I, it didn't matter to me. I, I, I wanted to get there for him. Because I think we would all agree is, is that's what validates your career as a head coach, right or wrong. That's what people look at. And, and, and as disappointing as it was, um, I am so grateful that he's getting into the hall of fame because it's, it's right. It's just, he belongs there. That's right. um, and, and I'm grateful to be a small part of, of his, uh, of, of his basketball history. And, uh, and, and, and that Wisconsin game still, still crushes me to this day. And, uh, you know, I, you go back and, and like everybody on here, you can go back and you remember certain plays and certain moments. And, and uh, you know, I wish there was a few things that I could have done differently in that game to, to help Coach Gady get there. Yeah, it, uh, uh, there were also some pretty good Did you ever lose a game to Illinois, by the way? No, no. Oh, okay. I was going to let you say no. It was kind of no. Not an O. I brought that up quite a bit to my dad, you know, 1-0, 2-0, 4-0. Oh, oh, oh. Finally, at 5-0, and oh, he was just like, stop. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I know Bruce has got some, Bruce has got some mixed emotions about that, but uh, he, was, he was on the bench for – for at least those first two years when you were you were there, Stephen Scheffler, you know your 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 situation too. You know you you got yourself to, uh, to a point uh, as a player where um, uh, you were one of the, you were an All Big Ten level player after kind of working your way. Didn't get to play a lot as a freshman, but that tough love part of Gene Cady. Talk about that and and also you, you know just the fact that maybe how that's resonated with the rest of your life. 
in terms of how you've how you've been able to move your life forward? I didn't necessarily appreciate the love when I was at <laughs> Purdue as much as I do after Purdue. Yeah, I just remember the tough part. I, I remember, I don't know if Troy and Everett remember this, but my introduction was we're at Wichita State and the game went into overtime. <laughs> and, and the timeout consisted of, gentlemen, if we don't win this game tonight, take practice when we get home. <laughs> me and Lucas sat at the end of the bench and we screamed our lungs out because it was like... <laughs> Coach just terrified me. I mean, you talk about haircuts. I had a couple of guys down the hall give me a haircut one time as a freshman. And uh, I, I wasn't trying to go bald or have a bad hair, haircut, but I think <laughs> Troy and the, yeah. the way you guys yeah. laughed about it, you probably even remember yeah. that. And yeah, uh, I, I went into coach and he let the team go. And uh, then he was like, Scheffler, you represent the University of Purdue and your haircut looks like blank. And if you ever do that again, you can forget dressing for the next home game. So I was like, yes, sir. But but I, I guess the best part of love that I had from coach, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I was just, I was petrified going like, oh, Here's God, the motivator. he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. Was um, I, I missed, I went to the wrong area. I was in the locker room my freshman year when the team was having a meeting in the other room, just right down the hall. And the penalty was, you got to do Mackey Arena a hundred times. And I remember Doug Lee walked in and it's like, where were you? And I was like, I was right here. We always had afterwards. He's like, you messed up. And coach let me off and he didn't make me do the hundred times up and down Mackey. And I felt guilty about that for the longest time. <laughs> that, that was very kind, but... <laughs> No, hey, Steve, I, I, those, Steve, those, those, other coaches. Yes. No, I was going to say, those steps are still there. I'm too old and too fat now. So <laughs> I thought about that before, but I thought, oh, no, you know. But um, I remember going to other teams and, and other players wouldn't touch the lines when they're doing the down and backs. And I would be like just tripping out because yeah. it's like, Man, we'd have to touch the half court line just during warmups. I mean, I was afraid to miss a layup during warmups. I'm like, what are you guys thinking? Now, Bruce, so, so definitely, you know, it was like you you want to do really good, right? I just remember being in practice. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was like if the offensive team gets another rebound, you're all running. If the defensive team gets another re rebound, you're all running. Turn law hacks, you're all running. It's like I think we're running, guys. And he taught you how to make a lot of other things a lot easier for the rest of your life. <laughs> yes, amen. Oh, no. that. And I think I think it's true. Bruce, I'm gonna ask you something, and this is a little bit out of left field, but you know, you both you and Conzo have obviously coached the highest level uh, well into the 21st century. How would, uh, and Gene obviously coached well into the 21st century too, but in today's world, uh, how, how, would, uh, how would the coach, uh, not, not how would he do, but how would he, how would he adjust uh, to the world of NIL and transfer portal and all that? We talked about how, I think Steve Reed said that he was always great at adjusting to things. But uh, he he would have had he would have probably gone with an opinion I would guess on how all this how the college basketball world has evolved over the last bit of time. 
Yeah, but I, I would I agree with Steve. And when I do clinics, the first thing I talk about with Coach Katie is that the word that he taught me, besides loyalty, loyalty was the most yeah. important thing that he always talked about, which really means nothing in this day and age, sadly, in college mm-hmm. basketball. But uh, the the other word was flexibility. And he told me a long time ago, if you're not flexible as a coach, you're not going to stay in the business. And that's why he stayed in it. And he was able, Steve mentioned that he was able to adjust with haircuts or whatever it might be, <laughs> styles of play. Um, you know, when, when Glenn came, this has nothing to do with you, Zoe, but, you know, Glenn was pretty good. He go, <laughs> we went, and we went, he sent me to put Coach Patino with the Celtics and said, we got to press, we got to, you know, use Glenn's t- talent. And I went for a week and watched practice and we came back and we, you know, we pressed and he had really not pressed in a long time, I think since, since Hutch. So I think he would have adjusted, obviously, you know, whether you talk to Matt Painter or Tom Izzo or whoever you talk to right now, it's, you know, it's not an easy thing with NIL or portal and, and it's nothing with the, you know, the kids getting money. Cause it's great that, you know, I, I think we all agree they should have got something a long time ago, but mm. uh, you know, I think the big thing and coach, you guys all talk about it. He just wanted you to earn it. If you earn it, he was happy with it. And, and, you know, and, and obviously all you guys on here have been successful and, and you've earned it. So, and hopefully he had, he had a little bit of part of that and, through his changing. I, one quick story is I was the coach. When I went to Southern Illinois, all of a sudden he called me and he said, I have a question for you. And I said, you have a question for me, coach? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to call you. You know, it's the other way around. He goes, do you have any parents that call you? And I just started laughing. And, and you know, that was when parents started getting involved. And, you know, you guys know your parents, unless you got in trouble, you know, they, they, were, <laughs> they were going the other way. Brandon Brantley's mom, and dad would always walk the other way because they thought Brandon was in trouble. So it's, uh, you know, but he, parents started calling. And then I said, yeah, coach, some parents call. He goes, can you believe it? They even call me now. And I'm like, yeah, you <laughs> have to adjust with the coach. And, and he did. And that's, that's why he was so good. And that's why, he's, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame, to be honest. Yeah. and, and Very true. You know, the Lifetime Service Award, and yet uh, it's really more than that. It's the Lifetime Expertise Award. I mean, he obviously had success <laughs> wherever he went. Uh, that was a big part. Everett Stevens, I still have to, I mean, maybe you're not even aware of this stuff. There's two things I remember most, uh, and you did many, many other things. But the happy-go-to-lucky dolphin comment, but also with the time, that he, I think you're – Michigan had beaten you guys your junior year quite handily at, at uh, with the Antoine Gilbert game and all that. Uh, you go back up there and play them, and it's you know Dick Vitale and national TV Sunday game. And I think either before or after the games, the story if it's urban legend or not, you ask if your mom can sing the national anthem for Senior Day. Is that true? And is that an indication of that that relationship? Because you always. You've got a built-in smile anyway, so he probably didn't think it <laughs> might have been serious enough. You were, but t- tell us, that, are either one of those stories the least bit true? Uh, yes, it is true. Um, yeah, happy-go-lucky because I was smiling out there because, I mean, this when I played, I just want that fun and have it to where, you know, um, it wasn't so much of a stress when you're out there playing, even though, you know, good and well, you're out there playing hard. And, you know, playing on the, underneath Coach Katie, I mean, he's just one of those types of coaches that could ream you, tell you what you're doing wrong, and then you will go out there and play harder. 
I don't know what it was about. I've never had any other coach who had that type of ability. And for me, it just helped me as well as my teammates just to go out there and put it all together, you know, and, uh, and, and try to do our best. So, yes, um, you know, it's our last game against Michigan at Michigan. And, uh, you know, he after he gave us our, our, our pre-talk and all about what we need to do with our assignments, I uh, waited for everyone to go out and ask Coach, can I have a talk with him? And I asked him, I said, uh, <laughs> um, I got a question. Do you mind if uh, for the, our last game at home that my mom, if my mom sang the national anthem? <laughs> and he looked at me like, uh, can, she, can she sing? <laughs> you know, she most good? people... Right. And most people get in front of, you know, 50,000 people and they lock up and all. And uh, I said, yeah, she can sing. I, I really felt she could do it. Um, and I gave her the confidence to do it. You know, as far as, you know, um, I, I felt like she could uh, relax herself and being able to um, to sing because she was a good singer. And uh, of course, we went out there. And of course, it's a big game as well. And uh, I think Coach Weber said that, uh, Oh, he said, no, Coach Katie said to Coach Weber, yeah, we, we just lost him. Good luck for this game. <laughs> and my mind was on the game. But, you know, of course my mind was. It was just something that um I had just, you know, had been wanting to try to find the time to, to ask him. Yeah, it was a great story. And I'm glad I'm glad it's really true because uh, it was an indication of that relationship. Troy Lewis, one of my favorite pictures, and I don't know if you have it in your vault, is a picture where Gene's got his, He's got his his uh, arms crossed, and you've got your arms like kind of around his neck, like trying to explain to him, uh, "Hey, it's going to be all right, Coach. So we're going to take care of this." But again, you had that personality too. I mean, you go all you guys were competitive guys, but you you were also a really a nice guy. How did you turn that? You know, you obviously were a competitive guy all along, but how that? You know what? What did he do to fine tune that real ultra competitiveness in you, or did you already have it and he just brought it to another level? Uh, yeah, I already had it, and and you know he brought it to another. He, like Lynn talked about, and other people talk about, he raised your level of yeah. who you are as a as a player. You think you're playing hard, but you know until you get on campus there and <laughs> read alluded to it, the workout we had my freshman year, I even I ran. Two weeks before that, before I got <laughs> to Purdue, thought I was in shape and yes. was nowhere near where it should be. So I learned my lesson right then that when I how how hard I'm making I'm playing, I'm not playing that hard. So he always he always pushed us to that level. Now with the arms around picture, what actually happened? We were playing Illinois, and I threw the ball away, and then I I come down, I took a bad shot. Oh, you should have been on the bench by the end. Then we come down, we come down, I foul. And then oh. in Macarena, you heard, Troy, Troy. In the back of my mind, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh oh. I said, like, I got to defuse this here, boy. Coach was mad. And what was funny about it is when I put my arms around him, he said, son, are you gambling? He laughed. He's the one who defused the whole situation. So oh, it reminds me more than the other way around. So, that's you know, that's that's the type of uh, uh, coach he is. And also, I got to tell the story uh, what type of person coach is. I mean, I'm out of school. This is in the 90s. And 
I get a call from my mom and she said, hey, uh, Coach Katie's coming down and he's going to help me with my ceremonial uh, Martin Luther King statue. And I'm like, what? And I was just so taken back by that, that he's not all about who you are as a basketball player. It's about who you are as a person and your family. He took care of your family as well. And I'm always indebted to that because to this day, my mom, I mean, she's passed away now, but she always talked about uh, how he came down and helped her out to, uh, to commemorate uh, the statue of Martin Luther King in my hometown. So wow. that's what kind of guy he is. That is the depth of him. That's awesome. Yeah. Steve Reed, um, I, I think, and obviously you had the, the opportunity to play. And I do want to ask you about the stick free throws. And I know you've told this story a hundred times. <laughs> really great story. But but I also want to talk about the fact that you, know, you had to broadcast games uh, uh, when he was on the sideline, what that was like for you. Um, uh, and, and Gene was always good. He died with Larry and, 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 and the great Larry Clisby. They had a great, great relationship, but he wanted everything positive. That was, that was Gene. But, uh, talk about, first, I want to ask you about the free throws. What now, do you have dreams of that? Do you, I know it's, I know it's 30 years later, almost, um, excuse me, almost 40 years later. I should say, God, that's crazy. Um, but talk about that experience and what he said to you when you came came off his uh, off the court and then also just that relationship too that to, uh of, of, of being being the announcer and working with him in that re that relationship yeah so you know the chair throwing thing first of all i blame troy lewis because he probably should have shot the free throws to yeah. start with i mean i don't know why i shot, but... might have been scared to death bro <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild so, crowd it was wild. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I, I've never shot six free throws in a row in the game, right? I, so I didn't mentally know really how to process that. And unfortunately, I switched the first two. So you're in rhythm. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to make six points. We get the ball. We can crank this thing up to a you know, dozen 14-point lead, right? We can really get this game opened up early, and then we can start taking the air. So I'm thinking all these things, and I forget to go through. So I missed the third one. And then I missed the fourth one and I turn around and he's going, you know, I think he was motioning for me to get off the line. And I did one of those, I'll take care of this coach, you know, would put my hand up, like, don't take me out of the game. <laughs> I, I missed the fifth one. So I, I've missed three in a row. And everybody knows the three things you don't do on the road. You don't shoot an air ball. You don't miss a dunk. I never had to worry about that. And you don't miss, and you don't miss technical fouls. You know, it just gets the crowd riled up. So now they've got three, three in a row. The, it just keeps getting louder and louder. And I made, I don't know how I made the last one. So I made the last one, uh, three for six. We don't score on the possession. So only got three points out of a potential eight point one. Everybody knows with Coach Katie, he usually only deals with the last play before a timeout. So if you make a mistake and you can get two or three possessions in between that mistake and the next timeout, <laughs> you're, usually, you're usually pretty safe. So we had played a couple more minutes and we, you know, I think maybe I even made a shot or something, made an assist. I'm thinking, all right, I, I should be in the clear. We get over to the bench and he spent the entire time basically, you know, Steve, that's ridiculous. I've seen you make 90 free throws out of 100 every day in practice since you've been here. You're a senior. That's poor leadership, et cetera, et cetera. At any point, he said, if we lose this game, I'm, it's on you. And Troy and Everett was on the bench, but Troy and Todd were playing. We got out of the huddle. I said, guys, I think I'm serious. We lose. I may have to ride back with my wife because you know, I don't think I'll be able to get on the bus. And fortunately, we won. So, uh, you know, I was able to do that. But, you know, then I got, got a chance to do the radio, and that was probably um, – 
you know, just a great experience because everybody I think on this call can attest that when you're in the moment, you're playing, you're, you're wearing the Purdue uniform, you're so tied up in tomorrow's practice, the next game preparation, you don't really stop and enjoy the moment that you're in really, right? Cause you're, you're just kind of going through everything's a step and a process getting a chance to do the radio. I could sit back and, you know, kind of watch and say, man, this is a pretty cool experience. These guys are going through. They'll realize it when they get older, but right now, you know, they're going through the motions kind of like we all did while you're playing. Um, so that was a great experience. Now, the only bad part was Clisby's a smart guy. And so when I get on board, I'm new. I don't know anything. He goes, Hey, we think, I think you're going to have to do the post game interviews. So I'd have to go into the locker room, you know, and do post game interviews with coach and that was fine when you won, but man, there was nothing oh. worse than walking from that radio booth <laughs> up the tunnel to, and we, we had to go in the old, you guys remember the old coaches locker room was across the hallway from our yeah. old locker room, right? That's where I had to do the interviews. And half the time he was coming out of the shower. And so <laughs> I never quite knew, you know, how, how to handle that. And, and, and was never after losses, it was just asking two questions, let him go. And that'll be enough, you know. Don't don't belabor the point. But it was a it was a tremendous experience. Uh, got a chance to see him from a different perspective, right? Than than being a player and being close like that. It was it was fun. I got a chance to see Conzo. Uh, probably one of the best best basketball games I ever called was was when Conzo and uh, his group went up to Michigan State and beat a really good team up there at Michigan State. Um, that that was a great great moment. Then we went out to Hawaii. In fact, I think when I first started, we went to Hawaii right to begin with, and Conzo had a duel with Fred Hoiberg. And so just a tremendous amount of experience. But it was fun because you could see Coach Katie still. Everybody knew if the bus left at 6, you better be there at 10 till 6, right? And, and so those were what I'm talking about. He was consistent throughout with the little things, the things that really – the details, I think Brandon mentioned earlier, right? He was consistent with those every year, and he, he he's – He's done a great job. Now as a coach, he Bruce Weber missed the loyalty. I remember Greg Eifert and I driving to practice our after Greg's junior year, after my sophomore year, and coach was flirting around with Arizona State at the time. And we Oop, I may, we may have lost. And I just a testament to him. Uh, you know, the loyalty that he had towards Purdue, towards his players, towards his staff. Um, just, you know, not not enough good things you can say about him in this short of time. Yeah, no question. Hey, no Alan, Alan, can I jump in real quick? Yes, you can. The bus, the bus story. This is this is a story what happened on the bus with me. Everett was late to we're at <laughs> Illinois State. We're going to Illinois State. Everett wow. was late on the bus going to the airport. And he, Coach Katie said, Everett can't start because we just lost the game before. So you know it. Everybody knows they carry over after a loss is crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> that week of practice was crazy anyway, but that's a whole different story. So Everett was late on the bus. Coach Katie gets up. He ain't starting. Tells everybody in front of the bus. Stands up in front of the bus. Everett ain't starting. So we get to Illinois State. You know how you practice day before. So I'm sitting in, in the room. And next thing you know, there's a knock on the door. I got my practice stuff on and stuff. And and opened the door and it was Coach Katie. He said, Tori, you're late. I said, no, I'm not. I the, <laughs> clock. the clock was slow in my <laughs> hotel room. Todd already left. He went down to Everett's room or whatever. And I was like, I said, but the clock is slow. I said, I'm not late. I'm never late. I was never late to anything. Yeah. And he was <laughs> like, like, well, I benched Everett. <laughs> I bench you. <laughs> and I had a string. I've been starting ever since my freshman year. 
And I was more mad at Everett. Because <laughs> 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 if Everett wouldn't have been late, I would have been starting. <laughs> like, My coach, but that's how coach was. Coach didn't care. Like the yeah. bus got to be there yeah. early. If you're not there, that. you uh, you're not going to play. Greg Eifert, uh, known for the ultimate role player, but uh, defense, toughness, all the things that you brought to the table. Uh, and yet that year, your senior year, uh, the fact that you guys go on and win a, win a Big Ten championship when nobody thought you that you could. Did, did Was there any point in time, I wouldn't think that with, with Coach Katie, that there was much of a, you know, you paid a lot of attention to where you were in the standings, you just kept going. But uh, what a magical year that was. But uh, what do you take from that experience? And, and what did you learn from how he handled you guys down the stretch? Because you had to come up big at Minnesota and uh, Ricky Hall had a free throw at the end for you to win. Uh, but uh, talk about that. Uh, I think we just had a group of guys that all we wanted to do was win and play hard. And we were smart. We weren't very talented. Obviously we weren't the most talented group that coach had over the years, but I think we just, we wanted to play hard. We wanted to win for coach and everybody gave it everything they had you know, when they were in there. And that's, I mean, like everybody, we, you know, as we all said, we had to play hard on our butts and everybody in this call here all know what that means. I mean, we laid it all out there in the court for them. And, you know, that season was magical. I mean, nobody expected us to do anything. And then when we started winning and end up 15 and three in the big 10, it was just unbelievable, but it was just, you know, a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, coach believing in us and the coaching staff believing in us. And, you know, I, like I said earlier, coach, coach says we saved his job for him. So <laughs> I, I think he, he appreciated that group that year, but like I said, we weren't the most talented. I'll tell you the best, my best coach Katie story was after I graduated, I came back the next year because my wife, Julie, was a senior there. And so I came back to some of the games. Of course, Steve and I were very close. So we came back to watch, you know, Steve play. And, and my wife was actually in the hospital down there in Lafayette. Um, she had thrown her back out and she was in the hospital. And somehow coach found out about that. I'm not sure how. But anyways, he comes up to do his radio show after the game and walks by me and they had lost that game and he comes up and walks by me and says hi shakes my hand everything he says hey how's julie doing and i mean that just typifies how coach is i mean he cares so much about all of our families and whether it be our kids or you know he's asked me a hundred times about my boys and grady and tyler and you know, he's just always cared about us, not only as players, but as people and families more than anything, which I think means everything to all of us. Great story. I, and we are, we are getting along here, and yet we, it is the internet, so we can stay on here all night if you guys want to. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I want to go back to, to Conzo. I, I think the greatest first half in, in the history of Purdue, probably in the NCAA, was was Glenn Robinson against Kansas. The greatest second half would be hard to argue what Tonzo Martin did shooting those threes. Uh, and one of the great games really in, in, in certainly in Purdue history went beating Kansas, Kansas in the sweet 16. Any story from that? Did he, did he tap you on? I mean, you, you caught on fire. You were 
it was such a competitive game. Conzo, uh, you, you put the T in tough throughout your entire career, but uh, was that one of those experiences where, uh, did he say anything to you? Do you have any, any memories of that? Are you guys just trying to survive that game? What do, what do you take from that game? And then we're going to go around the horn. Everybody can tell their favorite story uh, before we wrap up. So go ahead, Conzo. Well, it, not really. I mean, Coach, Coach didn't do a lot of talking to me, you know, as, as I, especially as, as, as an older guy in a situation yeah. like that. If I, if I, I know my sophomore year, like Coach Coach Weber would probably come over as opposed to Coach saying, man, shoot the ball, be aggressive. Because I was so consumed with the game defensively. That's how I looked at it. Just doing my job, trying to shut whoever I was defending down. So I would pass up shots sometime. And part of that pass up when I was a freshman, if I was wide open, I missed that 15, 17 foot. And I look over the side, Coach slammed his jacket on the floor. So <laughs> I'm not shooting that next one. So it's like, now all of a sudden, I was shooting that next one. Coach said, Get out. come on, baby, you got to come out. You're afraid to shoot. It's like, Oh, coach, I'm off balance. You know, so what happened, it was just putting the time into it and really working and working and working. And, and really, all I truly ever cared about was winning basketball games. And I took pride. Whoever the best player, I want to shut him down. And it was a joy for me to see Glenn out there on the floor scoring 34, whatever that was. That, that brought me joy because it was all about winning. I think the biggest key for us as a team amongst each other we had to make it clear, like, Glenn's the guy. Everybody has to follow the lead. And that's not an easy thing when everybody want to have a level of success. So you have to be able to foster those relationships. But we spent a lot of time together uh, away from the game. I'm talking about every weekend, we'd be together for an hour or two as a team. Then guys would branch off and do their thing. But we made it clear, this is how we're going to win basketball games. We're going to flow through dog. And, and for me, it was just a matter I, I, when I left high school, I was basically a big man at 6'5", 180 pounds, slashing around the rim layups, no jump shots, anything. So when I got to Purdue, you're talking about a high school, we played a diamond press back to a 2-3 zone in high school. So when I got to college, now all of a sudden it's a man-to-man, I have to learn how to play on the perimeter. And I didn't shoot jump shots. It was just all layups. So now I had to really work on my game to become a better basketball player than just hours and hours and the, and the stuff that – Maybe maybe the police officers might have told coaching those guys about it, but me, Glenn Robson, and Tim Irvin, who's a, a walk-on force, we'd be in the gym at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning just playing one-on-one, and there's really ball handling just playing, and the scores be up to, you know, 1,000, 900. we just going, and that's how we got better. We just competed, and it, and it was just uh, – we just found our way. And, it, and then for us, like Glenn myself, we were guys, man, Outside of love, there was nothing to go back home to, so we had to make it go. And and and, and with all due respect, with dog, he wasn't like he was sitting there every day. I'm gonna be an NBA player, be, man. He wanted to be a Purdue. I mean, that's that's what it was. It wasn't talked about at NBA be all the time. He he knew at some point it was what it was, and he had to go. But he wanted to be the best player right there, and and he took pride in whatever that was, and he worked his job. I've never been around a guy that knows on the call that worked as hard as dog in a practice. Yeah. I mean, dog competing in practice like it was an actual game. And when, when your best player is at that level, everybody else had no choice but to get to that level. Yeah, made a big difference sure. from that standpoint. Brandon, uh, you were a part of the last, his last NCAA tournament win, obviously uh, beating LSU and then, and then giving Texas all it could handle, as I recall, in your sophomore year. That experience of, of again – having some success in your first part of your first for a couple of your years it's a couple of years where it wasn't as successful any change in his demeanor down the stretch uh, with how he coached uh, in, in in his last couple of years and obviously you had to spend a year or two with Matt Painter uh being the uh, coach in waiting but uh, talk about that experience a little bit yeah he did not change at all <laughs> it was tough um and also too uh Zoe was the same way right Zoe and yeah 
Eddie, um, I still had to pick up full court no matter what our record was, no matter how many points we scored, still pick up full court. And, you know, as he would say, you got to be full of piss and vinegar, babe. Yeah, <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> what is that? Again, I want to know what but what, one one time I came into practice, I wasn't full of piss and vinegar. Myself, and he uh he looked at me and said, Brandon, what did you do last night? I'm like, do anything. Like I, you know, i I knew we had practice more. I didn't do anything still. Well, do something next time. <laughs> so he never changed. He never changed. You still had to come bring it every single day. Well, God love all that maybe you should have checked your whole card. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I, we, I was gonna. We used to write down because I was in the SID office for a while. We would write down. I should have put it in a book. Some of the greatest Gene Cadyisms of all time. The, the, my my biggest, my favorite one. I a guy in our office. Bruce remembers him. Mean, you a lot of you guys may have remembered a guy named Bob Goldring who had a, a very wicked sense of humor. But it was it was uh, it's hard to. Uh, it's hard to look into somebody's head to see how big their heart is. That was one of my all-time favorites. Like, wait, does that make any sense? No, it probably doesn't. <laughs> but it works in that table. All right. Open forum for those of you that want to stay on for a little bit longer. I appreciate it so much. This is gold gold for, uh, I think, a lot of people are going to really enjoy watching this. But uh, oh, this is now your time. I'm, I'm going to let you just go individually because I don't want to put you on the spot. But your favorite Gene Katie stories, positive uh me even if it's more of a uh a, a sentimental view whatever you want to bring forward uh the, the, the floor is yours okay I, i'll start with this one um we were ranked pretty high i don't know how high we was ranked one or two or something in the country Number two, you got to number two and we were playing at louisville and you know the you know we doing our practice before the you know, the night before the game. And our second string was hitting everything. You know, we going halfway through the motions and stuff, the first team. And and the coach, just, Coach Katie just got so ticked off, felt like we weren't playing hard enough and focused, thought we were just too, too conceited and too, you know, reading our clippings and all he would say. And so he got so mad at us because they the second team was just destroying us. And he looked at us, man, and told us, he screamed at us, get the heck out of my face and go down to the other end. You, it's a horse, just cursing us out. So we walking like, you know, like, what's up? You know, like, really? You know, like, the second team was just getting lucky. And, you know, so we walked down to the other end. As we was walking down to the other end, I just remember Todd saying, man, I messed around like that old man out. And we just started laughing as he was walking. I looked over my shoulder like, man, I hope he wasn't too close to hear that. <laughs> but it was one of those things where he just, coach always wanted that that hard play. And of course, we weren't, you know, we weren't conceded. We, we were at a good point of knowing who we were and what we were capable of doing. And, <laughs> And it showed because the next game we went out there, you know, the next day we went out there and, uh, and we just destroyed Louisville. So it was just one of those things where, uh, man, you got to come, you got to come with it with coach every, every night. Yeah. Alan, my, I, there's a ton of them. Yeah, um, I understand. Go ahead, my friend. There, there's a ton of them. I, I, and I might steal Greg's, but this is, this is when I knew coach was intense. I had red shirted my, first year so I didn't travel with the team on the road and didn't really know what the road routine was like and we go out and play 
um, Boston University. I think Rick Patino was the coach, right, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And we're, we're going for the pregame walk around. We thought it was a walk around. So you go, everybody knows you go there, you know, you don't go with tape. You're not, you really don't even have practice uniforms on. You probably got sweats. Um, you know, you really weren't prepared to anything but walk through, maybe shoot, do a few shooting drills, free throws, et cetera. And all of a sudden, Coach Katie got ticked off about something. And we're, we're running full speed. I mean, this is a full out practice. We're, we're, we're going live and coach and Greg looks over at coach Weber and goes, coach, we ain't taped. And coach just kind of rolls his eyes. Like, well, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> we went through, I mean, we went through a 45 minute, just wide open uh, practice. And, and the other one, and, and Troy and Everett probably remember this. I, I was there for four years. I only practiced after a game twice, and both of them were with Everett and Todd and Troy and that group. <laughs> oh, uh, one of them yeah. was coming back from Illinois when we Illinois. got 86 yeah. to 43, yeah. and we get back and and we're taped on the we're back. You know, first of all, we stop at uh, at the Beef House. You got to fill the Timberwolves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're getting ready. You know, Coach Katie jumps up and says, "Stay on the bus." You know, we're looking forward to a steak, and and they managers bring on cold cheeseburgers and you know chips. <laughs> and, Diet Pepsi, and I mean that's it. We're not getting steak that night, guys. We just got our tail whooped. And somebody, I don't, I think it was Jeff Arnold, but I don't know for sure. One of you freshmen asked for ketchup, and he <laughs> got up and just exploded. He goes, "You know, Troy, wasn't that you? you? That was you, Troy. Was it Troy? <laughs> somebody asked for ketchup, and and we're all going, uh oh, he just blew up. So now we've got you know from the beef house to to Mackey's another hour and 15, 20 minutes. It's dead silent. We get, he goes, tape on the floor, 30 minutes. Now, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. So we're on the floor at 4.30 in the morning. We go till 6.30. And if you remember back then, he always had weightlifting at noon on Sundays. He said, and be back at noon on Sunday for weightlifting. So that was one. The other one, we get beat at home by Michigan. And we no more get in the locker room. We don't take our uniforms off. He says, back out on the floor. We're practicing. People haven't left. The, they haven't left the arena yet. And we're back out on the floor practice again, you know, and, and after the Michigan loss. But, and I know why. He knew he had three really talented guys. And he knew he had an opportunity to, you know, kind of take Purdue to the next level. Because I, I, Greg and my group, I think our whole thing was we didn't put up anything about national titles. Heck, we knew we were just lucky to be there playing for Purdue. And our big thing was try to win a Big Ten title, get some, you know, credibility to the program. Coach Katie's, you know, built from that point, and then obviously he did. But uh, Troy and Everett and Todd, man, you guys put me through a lot, and you didn't even know it. He was just he, he, he was teaching you guys a lot of lessons that I had to be a part of. So, yeah. Yeah. floors open. Brian Cardinal, anybody out there? You got two. I'll I'll, uh, I'll share uh, two stories real quick. Um, I still remember, you know, Steve mentions redshirting. I, I, I still remember my first year I redshirted and um, I, I went into Coach Katie's office several times and, you know, I, I was, it was a deer in headlights. I was, I was a mental disaster. We had six seniors. I, I was just trying to survive. And, and, and I went to his office a couple of different times and said, Hey coach, I think I need a redshirt. And he, you know, he would brush it off and he'd tell me to get the hell out of his office and just relax and take a breath. And, <laughs> and finally it got to a point, I, I, I think we're, we were at Central Michigan or something like that. Um, and, I, and I had this, this epiphany that I needed to go and have this heart to heart with Coach Katie. And I went down, knocked on his, knocked on his door uh, in his hotel room. 
and uh, he opens up the door and I, I've shared this story before and he opens up uh, up the door and he's he's there in a t-shirt and he's got his whitey tidies on and he's crunching <laughs> on a cigar and and he's like come on in and I'm like no hell no I don't want to come in and, and so I go in and uh, the door shuts and I kind of cringe and I'm like hey coach and he's like what do you want babe and, uh, and I said hey, I, I really think I need a red shirt and uh and he's like, okay. And, and I ran out of that room as fast as I could. Uh, you know, you know, so I see coach Katie now and I, and, and, and I, I struggle. I, I try to get that vision of him and whitey tidies out of my mind. But it's tough. <laughs> um, so that's, 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 that's my one memory. And my other one, uh, and, and I'll leave you with this is, is, uh, you know, coach Katie, you know, my senior year, um, you know, he, he in, in practice, he'd call fouls periodically. And, <laughs> and, and I don't think I ever fouled in my entire career. I don't think I ever fouled. And so he would, he would call fouls periodically. And, and sure enough, I, you know, I'd say, coach, I, I don't think I fouled. And, uh, you know, and of course, you know, he, he'd say, okay, everybody on the line. And so all of a sudden now the whole, the whole team is running because I got to talk because I'm talking. You know, I'm talking, he, he, he thinks I'm talking back and, and I'm like, oh my God, everybody's mad at me. And, and so we run down and back, you know, a couple of different times and, and, uh, you know, then we, then we get back into practice and, and of course I foul again and he's like, foul, you know, calls out the, you know, you know, black hat, you know, has the ball again. And I'm like, coach, I don't think I fouled. He's like, okay, put five minutes on the clock. And I'm like, oh man, we got the whole team running. Oh, and he goes, okay, Cardinal, get on the line. Next thing I know is that clock is going, and I'm the only one running. Everybody else is on the sideline drinking water, catching their breath, and I'm just running back and forth for the next five minutes. And and that's the last time I ever questioned any of Coach Katie's calls. And, uh, uh, you know, but he's, he's, he, he's a tough-nosed guy, and uh, – I'm grateful that he was in my life. I'm grateful that he was in all of our lives. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a magical time uh, for Purdue, for Coach Katie, and uh, I think for all of us because he's, you know, we get a chance, the whole, whole country gets a chance to celebrate Coach Katie for, for everything that he's done for all of us and, and, and the game of basketball. We are trying, working on the coach to see if we can get him to unmute. And, and uh, Coach, I think we may be trying, but I'm not sure. That's what I think we're hearing in the background. But, uh, coach, you there? Coach Katie, you hearing me? Oh, he's, he, I think he can't get, his, can't get it unmuted. But um, you. Yeah, there you are. Oh, coach. Oh, no, you guys can just. Please some imitation. It's the only time we can yell at him and he can't come back. He's <laughs> Here's coach. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think that that may be it. All right, other stories, guys. Anybody right. I got, I got, uh, got a couple of uh, our senior year. It's kind of what, uh, kind of sort of like Cardinal story, but our senior year we ranked number two in the country. And we just got, we just beat Iowa, Iowa, you know, I had yeah. BJ Armstrong and you know, Roy Marble and all those guys. We had a rule that if we gave up 10 offensive rebounds or more, we had to run. So we got, I mean, Iowa's a tough offensive rebounding team. I mean, they always crashed the board. So, but we beat them at Iowa. So 
me, Todd, and Everett, we were like, man, we need to go tell coach. We don't need to be running, man. We, we got a good team here. We got to save our legs for the tournament, you know. So the day before, the day of practice, so we go up to coach's office and we go like, coach, you know, he had the open door policy, like Greg said. And so we get up there, we say, coach, you know, we're, we're doing a good job. We're winning games. We had, you know, two in the country. We think this run is not helping us. You know, that's not going to stop us, you know. And he was like, yeah, you guys really think that? We said, yeah, we, we think we can still, you know, do the things we need to do. And he said, all right. So, okay, we're not, you don't have to run then. We're not going to run. So we walk out, we go like, okay, cool. We're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we had a chalk talk, right? We sit down in the chairs and on the board. <laughs> and he was like, this is what we do in the practice. He said, oh, uh, I had our captains come up and said that we're not going to, uh, we're not going to run for these uh these offensive rebounds against Iowa so we're not going to run these guys all right so we're not running but anytime anybody getting offensive rebounds <laughs> in practice we're running on those <laughs> we were like coach, we'll just run <laughs> he said oh I figured you'll see it my way <laughs> and they, uh, my first like really opening eye experience my freshman year Steve might remember this. We were playing Indiana at our place. Our my first Indiana yeah. Purdue game. I'm, you know, I was from Indiana, so it's a big deal. And Indiana gets on a run. And I'm in the game. I'm kind of just like, you know, as a freshman, you kind of like, okay, I'm just trying to get with the flow, stay with the flow, don't make mistakes, you know. So I'm out there and and we're Indiana just on this run. And coach calls timeout. And we're sitting down, you know, you had the chairs out on the court and Matt Gaddis was about to drink water. <laughs> Coach oh, smacked it out of his hand before he even drank. Uh, like Steve said, he always remembered the last play. Matt turned it over. He traveled. And I had a cup in my hand. I went like this. I dropped that cup down. Real quick. I'm like, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> So that's how hard those coach was, but that's, you know, he taught us what it was to be hard and, and we ended up winning that game. After that, we went on an eight old run, came out of timeout. We went on eight old run and beat Indiana that game. So it, it got my attention. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anybody else along the line? I, I have one. This is so, uh, I, I got one. When, uh, when I was on coach staff as an assistant and we had just won a big game at, at Minnesota on the road. And so we, we, we were on the bus headed from the, the arena to the airport. And uh, Coach looked at he pointed a sign. And he said, hey, Zoe, they want to buy your house. And I looked at the sign. It was one of the signs, we buy ugly houses. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was a good one. <laughs> Yeah, in my in my limited experience, I can't imagine more off the wall comments like that, where he would come up with something like again, going back to my happy go lucky dolphin comment. Like, where does that come from? But it's it's in that mind somewhere. So, anybody else, guys? I got I've got one that talks about Coach Katie's character. Yeah, it had uh, some teammates that the coaches gave him two, three, four chances, and eventually they got kicked off the team. And I remember talking to one of the players and he was like, even, you know, during the year, then coach wanted him to get in class and get his degree. 
He ended up going to another school, was totally out of the program. And he is still worried about him getting a degree at another college or getting his, tra his college uh, transfers done so he could get the credits or whatever. And it's like, wow, that's a guy that got kicked off the team and coach is still looking out for him. That, that, that impressed me. Wow. One of the comments I remember, maybe you guys can help me out. What, what does this mean? Three peckered goat? <laughs> Three peckered Billy goat. That's oh, yeah. Because he clever to all of Oh, yeah. They have a thing called Google. Uh, you can do, or Urban Dictionary. It's all there for you, my friend. <laughs> so, so I got, I, I got my, my, my favorite one. That was, we come in at halftime. We had like, I don't know, 11 turnovers. So, you know, you just can't do that. And he said, you guys are throwing the ball around like Harvey Rabbit's playing with you. Yeah, Harvey the I Rabbit. Who, I didn't know who Harvey the Rabbit was. I got done with the game. I called my dad. I said, dad, who in the world is Harvey the Rabbit? I guess it's a <laughs> character in a Jimmy Stewart movie. It was an invisible yeah. rabbit that the guy thought he So Okay, that makes sense. We're throwing around to some invisible rabbit. They can't catch the ball. But yeah, you got to throw the ball around like you're playing with Harvey the Rabbit. I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> his, his, other, his other thing that he used to always say i didn't understand it um he used to always talk about when someone makes a mistake or do something not supposed to he would always scream you need to check your whole car yeah yeah i mean that was a big thing i remember my freshman and sophomore year and i remember herb robinson after one of our practices because the herb was messing up in practice and uh herb came in there and he said he said, damn it, I wish he would tell me what my whole card is so I can check it. <laughs> we just all started bust out laughing, man. Like, yeah, that would be that would be helpful. <laughs> he was a card player, though. That's that's where it came from. Uh yeah. other ones. Anybody else? Am I still on? He's you still on. Yeah. You uh, bet. I, I just wanted one to thank all you guys, you know, yes. for coach. I know you. You know, all the groups, you know, from Steve and Greg, the first group that no one thought could win and, uh, you know, winning the championship to Troy and Todd Everett, you know, that group, obviously, Glenn and, and Zoe, um, you know, just the different ears, Brian and, and Brad. I, why don't you have Brad on here? That would, that's a question I have. So. Yeah, I didn't, I, couldn't, I didn't track him down. He, he'd, have brought some, he'd, he'd have brought a beard to it, that's for sure. <laughs> Right. And then even Brandon's group, just, um, you know, you guys left a legacy and I know coach appreciates it. And, you know, I, I just, it, it was a thrill for me to be part of it. And uh, I'm so happy for coach to be, you know, going in the hall of fame, well-deserved and, you know, it's special for all of you, special for Purdue. And I know, and, and for him and his family. So uh, the last thing he, Matt Painter always asked me all the time, he got, he got mad at Matt and he told him, he said, you know, go home and play a joke on yourself. And Matt came up to me and said, how do I go play a joke on <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> when when does he get but no, but just appreciate it. Thanks, Al, for getting us all on. And yeah, it's yeah. great, so great to appreciate see everybody. Real friend, any, any last yeah, words? I haven't seen you forever, man. It's great to see you, man. All right, I've got everybody's contact information, I think, pretty much on the line. So if you need anything, uh, feel free to shoot me a text. But uh, thank you all so much. Is there actually a ceremony? Um, there is going to be, I think, in, uh, in, 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 what is it? It's in, at the Mohegan Sun is, is the, what, August, is it August 11th and 12th? And I don't yeah. know. Yeah, August 11th and 12th, it's at the Mohegan Sun, uh, Friday night, and then, and then in Springfield, Mass., 
on Saturday at the at the Naismith Hall of Fame at the Hall of Fame building. Um, they'll have the ceremony there on that Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So I will try to get some information too. I'm sure that they've they've got. I don't know exactly what the, how that all is going to work or what the ticket availability and all that kind of stuff is going to be. But uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from some folks. And of course that. Uh, uh, the, the basketball reunion, I think, is also supposedly that August 4th, I believe, right? Uh, at uh, yeah. So that part of it will be as well. So, all right, last chance, anybody. Hey, thanks so much for your time. But anybody else got a last second, uh, last second story to tell? All right, guys. Great, hey, to, thanks for, great to see you, coach. Yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah, so much. And thanks, Congratulations. Uh, Glenn and Conzo and uh, everybody else that uh, uh, put all this together to get getting. Herding the, herding the cats to get this done is a lot of fun for me. We will post this tomorrow. It'll be on it. So Nate Barrett, thanks to you and to Chariot Auto Group as well. Uh, we appreciate that. And for, for Nate and I, yeah, it was just fun for us to sit back and listen to what the heck was going on here. So that part was great. So enjoy the rest of your evening, guys. And we'll, we will air this uh, tomorrow. And uh, I'll send you guys links too. You can share it any way you like. So thanks so much. Have a great Thanks, night. All right. Have a great night, all. Thank you. Nice seeing you guys.